Welcome to Pretty Pitches. I'm Paige Feichert, and I am currently watching the U.S. Women's National Team play right now. Uh, they're playing in St. Louis tonight, so when you hear this, then I'm talking about Tuesday night. Um, and they're playing in St. Louis against Ireland. They played Ireland this weekend and beat them um, when they played that game in Austin. So, But the tragic news from that was uh, Mallory Swanson tearing her platella tendon and she's out indefinitely um which is awful it's awful when an athlete tries not try so hard but like work so hard to you know get to where they're at on this high level and in the world cup is this year so this is really you know a big year for women's soccer and she's not going to be probably not going to be able to play um in the world cup so that's sad, uh, but the U.S. Women's National Team looks good. They're up one to nothing right now, so we'll see how this turns out. In other news, the WNBA draft was last night, so earlier this week, and that was a lot of fun. Saw some of my favorite women's basketball players, um, women's college basketball players, I guess, uh, get drafted. University of South Carolina had five total players get drafted, three in the first round. So that's pretty amazing. Zaya Cook, she was one of my favorites. Of course, I like all of them. Um, actually, there's a lot of college basketball players that I really like that got drafted last night. So I'm pretty excited to see the WNBA season this year. But Zaya Cook got drafted to the L.A. Sparks. And so, you know, right away I started looking up the schedule when they played Dallas since that's so close. So it's really exciting. On that note, the draft last night was the most viewed WNBA draft in 19 years. It was up 42% from last year's WNBA draft on ESPN. So I that's amazing. Um, it says there were 572,000 viewers of the WNBA draft. And if that doesn't scream, women's sports are worth our time. <laughs> women's sports are gaining a lot of attention. I don't really know what does. But it was an incredible event. I'm excited for this season. I think it's going to be really fun. WNBA is always fun to watch. And I, I really hope that with all of the additional excitement around college women's college basketball I hope that that really spills over into the WNBA as well and there's a lot more excitement a lot more funding and coverage to where we can watch the games just as easily as we can watch the NBA games and um yeah I'm just I'm really excited to watch that grow before I kind of introduce who is my guest this week I just wanted to ask to have everyone follow my social media pages for the podcast i it would mean a lot to me if you could follow my instagram or i'm on twitter facebook pretty pitches pod um that would mean a lot to me and to share my content if you enjoy this podcast please leave me a review or rate the podcast on apple Podcasts or spotify whatever you're listening on that would mean a lot to me i'm really wanting to grow the podcast and get more ears listening so tell a friend write a review share something on instagram any of that just means so much to me. So today's guest, actually, this is something that really means a lot to me. I mentioned this in my interview, but I am part Native Hawaiian on my dad's side of the family. And I, you know, we, we grew up going to Hawaii from time to time. And I, you know, I didn't really get it until I was an adult how important the culture in the Hawaiian culture is, the native culture, the um, traditions, and how much of that was taken away from native Hawaiians um, when colonization happened. And I've learned so much, especially as a kid for sure, but especially as an adult where I've kind of grown to really appreciate it a lot more and respect it a lot more and give it, you know, the, I guess the respect and the attention that it deserves. So I, my sister actually found P.E.K. Lopez. She is Miss Aloha Hula 2022. So she was crowned at the Merry Monarch Festival last year as Miss Aloha Hula 
Mary Monarch Festival for 2023 is currently going on. Just started on Sunday. And you can watch. Um, the, it's, it's a huge hula and Hawaiian culture festival that takes place in Hilo every year. And you can actually watch some of the um, or maybe all of the Miss Aloha hula competition um, online. So Google it and you can actually watch it. Okay, just confirmed. Miss Aloha Hula, the individual hula competition, is this Thursday, the 13th. It's a little late if you're if you live close to where I live. Um, it'll be about 11 o'clock at night. But they also have um, social media pages. So check out their Instagram and they post a lot of cool videos and photos. And it's a good chance for you to learn about the Hawaiian culture and hula as a whole. So, um, but this is a great place to start because P.E.K.A. Lopez told me all about her life and how she became Miss Aloha Hula. She was also featured in the Nike N7 campaign, which is a campaign that's aimed towards um, indigenous and Native American cultures. I will leave it at that and leave you guys with P.E.K.A. Lopez, Miss Aloha Hula 2022. Today I'm with Miss Aloha Hula 2022, P.E.K. Lopez. Welcome to Pretty Pitches. Everybody. I am so honored to talk to you. I, I mentioned to you, so I am a little, as my mom will always remind me, a little teeny tiny bit Hawaiian. And um, my I have some family that lives on Oahu still. Um, and I absolutely love it there. So when I saw your Nike campaign, I was like, absolutely no brainer. Have to talk to you. Um, so tell me what Miss Aloha Hula is and tell me what that title means to you. Okay. Um, Miss Aloha Hula is the solo competition of the Merry Monarch Festival held in Hilo. Um, the Merry Monarch, um, as I like to explain, is kind of like our Olympics of Hula. Um, it's the festival that all halals and all Hula dancers strive to be at. And uh, on in this competition of Miss Lohula, you're you pick one representative from your halal to go and um, basically showcase what you've learned in your training and um, basically represent your halal as a whole, um, but as a soloist. Um, so, growing up in hula, it it was um, very hard to deal with the fact that I was going to run for my halal, especially because my kumos are my parents. Um, but always in honor and a great responsibility being that I'm the oldest as well in my family and um, being able to um, carry that legacy in some way um, to perpetuate our culture and our hula legs title has not only brought me opportunities, um, but has um, kind of made me grow up in a way <laughs> that I have to be a real life adult and I have to move into that phase of keeping the traditions alive and not only living it. Um, so I always like to say that this title is not only mine um, because it didn't, it didn't feel like mine. When they called my name, it didn't feel like me. It felt like, oh, everyone won. But, you know, some people have their own opinions of that. But... <laughs> Yeah, I always like to say it's not mine. So it was great honor and I'm so privileged to have gotten this title. Yeah, that's amazing. So for the last, so we're coming up on the Mary Monarch Festival, right? It's coming up here yes. soon? Yes, okay. April. Okay, perfect. So you've held the title for almost a full year now. And mm -hmm. so do you like, I don't know what the word is, crown the next winner or pass, pass <laughs> the baton to the next winner? Yeah, kind of. It's um we give a farewell dance. Okay. So before awards is called and after everybody, all the participants go for that night, then I give my last dance and then they go through awards and name the new Miss Lohula. Oh, that's so cool. That's so amazing. Wait, can I watch that somewhere? Uh yeah, it it goes live. Okay. Yeah, I'll watch it. totally send you a link. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, I'll yeah. definitely watch it. I that's that's amazing. I've always been so um, mesmerized by hula. And then 
when I was a kid, um, like my auntie, she has like a hula room and she had like all those beautiful, fun things to go with it. Uh, we learned one hula dance and then we tried to do it a couple of years ago. It was really ugly. Um, but, um, you know, I always thought it was so cool and beautiful. But then as an adult, I have realized how significant it is in Hawaiian culture. So can you explain the significance of hula in Hawaiian culture? Um, in our culture, um, a lot of things weren't, um, we didn't have a written language. Um, everything was done orally and, um, hula along with mele songs or chants were our way of, um, um, keeping cultural practices, um, alive and within the people, um, until missionaries came and then we have the alphabet and then we have newspapers, but a lot of things were, um, kept in the chants and in the hula for us to use and um, a lot of people don't make the connection with the language and like hula and mele today but a lot of what you see in the stories you see in the hula so basically you're telling a story when you dance right so um, base, um, hula is just I don't know I can go any it's so complex you can learn the most basic things in the hula and like learn little bits of the culture as well. And yeah, hula just plays a very important role in our culture. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that your parents are your kumu. Um, also explain that as well. What is kumu and how do you become a kumu? Um, usually um, you are under uh, another kumu basically, and you go through many stages of training to get to the status of a kumu. So you have an olapa, you have an ahoopa. Olapa is the dancer. So you get trained as a dancer and then you graduate, basically. Um, and then you get trained as a hoopa or the person who um, plays the ipu or the pahu, um, all of those hula um, instruments, and then you graduate. And then you go to a kumu and then you learn different um, hula in that, um, um, different hula meaning like maybe the most well-known hula and then the more traditional side and then you graduate and then once you graduate then you can make your own hello so my parents have three kumu between them um kimu alama keolana then um o'brien Eselu and thaddeus wilson and then they just they both unikied under one and then became kumu yeah that's, yeah that's cool um i i uh i also like how you are explaining that there's different like hula, how has hula evolved? Um, you know, obviously, ancient times, it's been many, many years, <laughs> but yeah. how has it evolved to like what it is now? Are there new hula like dances like emerging or do you do a lot of the traditional stuff or is it combination? Um, mostly a combination. Um, uh, the more traditional side just depends on which uh, lineage you come from and which kumu you come from. So a lot of the traditional hulas or in the kahiko, the more um, more kind of, how do I explain kahiko? It's not, it's not music. You don't use music. It's all chanting. So Mary Monarch has a kahiko night and then an awana night. Awana night is more of the modern hulas where you can create your own um, motions and stuff. But traditional um, is basically something that you learn from your hula lineage and then you still to um, do today and then awana is where you can be all creative and fancy if you want <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool um what what do you like doing or do you have like do you like to do everything you like to just learn and and do anything yeah I I don't really have a favorite I kind of I kind of like both um I don't know, I'm more of a non-emotional gal now, so I like to stick to the more traditional ones where you don't have to express as much. Um, but yeah, they're cool either way. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, you mentioned that you'll have your farewell dance um, coming up. And have you had um, like performances and hulas over the past year that you've had to do while holding this title? Yes, uh, we went to, um, well, I did multiple parades. I think I did like three. And then I went to Japan in August and in November for a hula festival. 
and then I went to Kauai to um, one of the participants this year is actually my classmate and um, her mom is also a Kumu so we kind of grew up together in that Kumuhula daughter vibe in high school so she asked me to come perform at her fundraiser so I went to Kauai and then um, I have one coming in May after after Mary Monarch but yeah it's mostly Japan. (laughs) That's that, where we like to go. <laughs> that is insane. That is insane. I didn't know. Like, okay, so is like Hula has it spread to Japan? Like, is there how is definitely really they love they, Hula. That's they amazing. love Hula. Yeah. Well, okay, I love that. I mean, <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of Japanese influence. Like when I come out there, you can tell some mm-hmm. of the food and you know some of the things like that. But like, I I never knew that Hula was so oh, big. Yeah. It's cool. They love Hula. Yeah. they're all for it they get so excited they cry they hug you and it's so funny because you know like celebrities in like america right they have those kind of like fangirls and stuff but like in japan it's like they're scared to touch you at the same time i'm like no come give me a hug yeah but like they're like so in awe that you're there and i'm like guys it's not really that big but for them it's huge when people from hawaii come down wow that's amazing. That's really cool. So was that your first time going to Japan or had you been before? Oh, no. <laughs> we, go go, we, have, we actually have like, not a branch, but my parents um, help one of the senseis there. And we've been going since I was born. My, my first trip to Japan was in 2005 or no, 2002, maybe. I was in a, I have a picture of me with my passport in my, um, what is it called? Car seat. So <laughs> we've been going for for a long time that's like it's like just me going like one state over to Colorado you guys just hopping on a plane going to Japan yeah basically that's amazing um your your mother was also Miss Aloha Hula correct yes Mm -hmm. what what was that like for you Uh, did you feel like a lot of pressure or was it like a huge honor or combination um it was a combination, I think. Well, while I was training, I wasn't, I had to really put myself in a good space to actually train for this. Um, a lot of things can come up. Um, and during your training, of, like in your life, like there's a lot of challenges that might come up or like some things that will test you during your training and how you would like um, resolve it. But having my mom there was both like scary and like I'm okay because she knows what to do um so I always I always trusted that my mom had the best intentions and um she she's always a um, role model in the hula space for us in the halal because she's the komu that and she's gonna train you so that you can get the title too so as long as you take it in it's all good like you really have to be a sponge during training and just soak it all in (laughs) yeah do you have any siblings or anything I do I have two sisters are they Um, younger or older they're younger okay one's gonna turn 21 and one is turning 10 wow that's a gap (laughs) Uh uh-huh she's a surprise baby (laughs) (laughs) so do they hula as well they do yes my sister's gonna be running soon next year and then the younger one has long time yeah. <laughs> before she does any of that. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, tell me what it's like to train for a hula event. Um, I don't know. When you, when you do it for so long, it's kind of not training. It's just kind of putting yourself in that space where you can... Um, get all that information and copy to the T on what it is your kumu wants. Um, for this, for Miss Ohula, it was like a lot of crying. So emotion, being emotional is not me. Do not like crying. Do not like breaking down. But I think in that, in those three months last year, I was just crying. There were, there were practices where I just got into the halal and I sat down and I just cried. Just that. I didn't even learn anything. I just cried because it's like, it takes such an emotional toll on you. And I think that everything has to align. So spiritually, we are very grounded. Um, physically, I was trying to 
lose weight to be in that area to like physically be um look okay on that stage because if it's on the internet it's gonna stay there forever but like the emotional part (laughs) I was not dealing with that well so I was I was glad that I had other um aunties in my life that kind of took that part and um took care of that part for me and like helped me deal with those because I had a hard time with Kumu slash parents, you know, going to the halal and then coming home and then still feeling a little weird, but don't want to tell my parents. So I just tell my aunties so that maybe it just gets deal- dealt with somehow. But yeah, very emotional journey. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, I, I totally understand that. Like you never really get to leave work. kind of. You know what I mean? Like training, oh, yeah, definitely. To leave training, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we made, we made a deal. It was like, in the halal, you're kumu. In the in the house, you're mom and dad. So mm-hmm. we did that very well. And that worked out really well for us because the training was very light. And there was nothing like they're going to bring training and what I did in training into the house and like yell at me there too. So it kind of, it was good that it was separated. Yeah. Yeah. And then when your sisters get to that point, you know, you can kind of also be that, I don't know, that well, or that, that that ear to listen to, you know, yeah, what they, what they definitely. yeah. What does the future of Hula look like to you? Um, future, you know, I only take days one one day at a time. <laughs> Looking to the future, it's not a thing for me. Um, but I just see a lot of evolving. Um. A lot of the creative parts of halals are coming out, and it's always good to have new hula and new motions. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind. There's like a shift happening with like the next generation, and the generation that is holding all the practices now. Um, that um, at, at least for me is that I'm trying to match my parents when it comes to the um, giving of the responsibility to me after um but you know our generation is very different from how our parents generation is um was and or is but was before because the the world is so different now with technology so I can't it's kind of just like being adamant with like being in tune with the land and with your people and with people who are older than you to like still teach you lessons and being open to the to the lessons is one thing that I think our um, generation struggles with is um, um, having to keep the values and the order of how things should be. We like to kind of skip sometimes, but yeah, I think it's just growing and making sure that you still have that that voice in your head that's saying you still have to check and you still have to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. I could see it being hard. I mean, you mentioned obviously like Hula was born out of this like sharing of stories and passing them down. Right. Um, And obviously the Hawaiian culture has a story for everything, Um, Mm -hmm. which is cool. I I used to love like learning those things, but um, I still do, I guess, but you know, have stories, been added or have stories changed over the time you know I mean have have you noticed that and I'm sure that it's hard for you know one generation to pass off to another generation even if it's so much as like modifying one little movement Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's really hard for them no I don't see uh, much modifying or changing I just um I definitely see the respect of the stories because they are things that we still learn from and creating new stories, yeah. Um, composing new songs, composing new chants um, um, for, um, for things that we lived. Because, you know, all chants and stories are things that um, our ancestors have lived. And it's basically a current events, times, news thing, basically, in a newspaper of how life was um, in Hawaii. And I think we're, we're in that space where we're trying to create our own stories now and trying to match their poetic kind of um, style from before and bring it in 
So I think it's just grabbing something and then taking it into ours and then just creating our own. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What? Okay. Switching gears slightly a little bit. Um, I, I saw that you are studying, is it Hawaiian knowledge? Is that the, like, education? No, teaching. Yeah, teaching. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And then, okay, oh, but teaching, like, Hawaiian culture? Is that? Teaching Hawaiian language. Yeah, okay. so my license okay. is in Hawaiian, yeah, you have to pick a content area. So my license is in Hawaiian language. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And is, correct me if I'm wrong here too. Your dad is the director of the Center for Hawaiian Language at the University of Hawaii, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, fun fact: um, my daughter, she's nine. We came out there. Um, so we did the Ho'omaukaikai when I was a kid. Um, at- oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. I know. Um, now my daughter and my niece and nephew are able to do it. Um, so it's really fun for them. So we came out there twice now with my daughter and she is dead set on learning the Hawaiian language. And let me tell you, I know like four words personally. (laughs) So it's a very, it's it's a beautiful language. It's a little bit tricky (laughs) if you're just learning. Yeah. Ours is backwards. We're backwards from English. It's tough. And there's a lot of vowels. (laughs) <laughs> yes definitely. I love it though I love it and I love hearing people that are very good at speaking Hawaiian language like saying words in Hawaiian mm-hmm. because it's beautiful but did you so knowing this that you've obviously studied it um and your dad is also obviously very close to the Hawaiian language mm-hmm. is this something that you learned growing up yeah definitely my parents were very set on raising their kids um in the language um, we're kind of like a dual, um, dual language kind of family. Like we, they would speak to us in Hawaiian, but obviously we'd be like so hard head and just speak English. And then and like you, you would know that they're so serious and so mad if they speak Hawaiian. Like that means you're going to get it when you get home. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was always a thing. And, you know, being, um, being in those, um, Hawaiian language, um, preschools and then going to an actual Hawaiian immersion school to eighth grade it really um there's a you really look at the world from a different perspective than the kids who didn't because I went to Kamameha after and that's like you Hawaiian language is not used every day like you're you just go to a class you you don't like teach it teach every class in Hawaiian which is what immersions do um so you kind of just look at it a different way and then I was kind of glad that I went to Kamehameha because I am not good at English whatsoever. <laughs> in Hawaiian immersion, we don't learn English till the fifth grade. Wow. Everything is in Hawaiian until then. Wow. Yeah. But even then, you only have an English class. Like, there's no classes it's like the that opposite. basically in English. Yeah, basically. Cool. So I was, like, tripping out when I went to, a like, a regular private school. And I was, like, I was having to, like, translate my assignments because I didn't know what they were saying in English. And I was like, I need to translate. So I gave it to my parents. I was like, I need, you need to translate this for me. I don't know how to answer it. It's not in Hawaiian. So yeah, definitely. It's like a, in this time, it's like you need both. Yeah. So, but growing up with one was very good for like how I wanted to make my career and how I wanted my future to look like with my kids. And like, it just basically like doing the whole thing over again from what you did and then you just do it with your kids (laughs) no that's like honestly I I mean I like I really love that you know concept of like really learning Hawaiian language I remember the first time I came out there I was probably mm, maybe like nine ten or something like that um and my auntie like she was born and raised and I don't think she ever left Oahu um her whole (laughs) life (laughs) but but my, my, so my grandpa, it's on my grandpa's side, my grandpa's yeah. dad is like, he's white German and his mom was Hawaiian. And so mm-hmm. like, even she didn't like speak it much when they were growing up. So my auntie was like, yes, it's a dying language, but this is why it's so important for you to like be here and, you know, go to the Kamehameha yeah. school and learn the Ho'omaukaikai stuff. <laughs> and I, which I love, yeah. you know, um, but to me, so it's so like, incredible to me to like know that that's something that's so important and or like just just talking to somebody that that's also very important to you so um (laughs) I I I love that 
what, why do you feel um, that it's important to carry that, the Hawaiian language forward with your family? Um, I don't, I don't think I, I could not really live my, with myself. It's just, it doesn't seem like, it's not an option for me. I think it's just, it's how I want my, my kids to know our culture. And um, I never really looked at it as, as an option. I was like thinking about it. A couple of years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I want my kids to go to this school to learn this. And I want them to do this because I, I, I think that's the only way to go for our kids to learn too. Cause our numbers are increasing, but like the level of the, of the speakers are, are really not as equal as maybe the, our parents' generation. So make, maybe like creating those kids that are at that level because you've been through that and their grandparents will also speak Hawaiian to them. It's just, I don't know. It just seemed like the only way. I don't yeah. even know how to answer that question. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I get that. Well, it's like a family tradition. And just like you mentioned, you know, like the whole um, idea of like a kumu and, and really the Hawaiian culture in general is really just the passing along of knowledge down. I mean, like a teacher, yeah. you know, that's essentially yeah. just passing that knowledge down. And that is what keeps our culture alive, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. or any culture, you know, and so it's beautiful that that's, so important and that you guys grew up bilingual essentially um yes that's so cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to phrase things um Hawaiian culture outside of you know language and hula what are things that so I obviously was born and raised in Kansas so nobody like even growing up if I would say oh you know I'm Hawaiian obviously that was like the coolest part of my heritage um I say that a lot of people don't understand at all what that means um and I'm sure you even run into that out there what are some things that you wish people understood about Hawaiian culture Um, well just like any other indigenous people's group is that a lot of times we're put on the back burner and we're there but we're not there like you obviously like there's uh, eight islands for Hawaii like for the state of Hawaii there's eight islands um so uh, and they come like tourists come here all the time it's not like no one sees us but like really sees like the core of being Hawaiian and the culture kind of gets um mistranslated in some ways and like why we fight for things and the purpose of why we do things um gets kind of mixed up when it comes to other people seeing inside to us um but you know all I can say is that when it comes to a people and their culture don't mess with them because they have their own things to to live by and you're not living it so you can't say anything about it that's how I feel I was like if you're not living it you can't say anything you can't make any decisions so don't even try to convince us otherwise because you're not living in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That was kind of vulgar, my bad. <laughs> that was not. No, it's not. I, I 100% agree. Like I said, so like, you know, again, being being from like the center of the mainland, okay, <laughs> literally there's there's no beaches yep. around here, okay? Um, <laughs> and being from here and going out there, you know, as a kid, it was like, oh, you know, this is amazing. Like I get to see the ocean or, you know, learning. I, mm-hmm. I, I did really respect the opportunities that I had. You know, my auntie taught us how to make lays and make tea leaf skirts. And, you know, she nice. introduced us to yeah. all of the traditional Hawaiian foods. Like, girl, I ate poi when I was like nine and I was did not know what I was getting myself into. So it was like, you know, coming from here, like that's definitely not a thing, you know? Yep. So I think as an adult, like back then I was so kind of like, just awestruck, like most tourists would be, right? Just mm-hmm. awestruck of like the beauty and this and that. And I think now as an adult, to me, it's so important to like share those messages, like what you said, because I think a lot of people think like, oh, Hawaii's a state. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's a, what do you mean you're Hawaiian? Like, that's what people say to me. I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What do I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, especially know? when like we had to sign, like before when like colonization was happening and after the overthrow, like we couldn't say we were Hawaiian. We had to say we were American. So even more so we we're like, 
no, we're Hawaiians. Like, we're not going to... And the whole, like, Honani K. Trask um, speech, I am not American. Like, that really sticks with us because, like, basically they're trying to pull away everything that made us Hawaiian. And then we had to, like, we had to be American because they put everything that mattered to us about being Hawaiian. So now that everything's coming back, it's like, no, I'm Hawaiian and that's special. But if you don't see it, then uh, maybe go back to where you came from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I follow a lot of cool and I love like the emergence of social media in that regard um, because I've been able to follow a lot of really cool accounts that share, you know, issues even to this day, Mm -hmm. as you describe that, like there's still, there's still colonization happening. There's still people wanting to take over part. I mean, the tourism itself is insane. And, and just for, for, for native Hawaiians to be able to even live on the islands is like practically impossible now, you Mm -hmm. know, it's so expensive and difficult. So I appreciate that message because I totally agree with you. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's something that we see and, and the appropriation of culture, I mean, like hula, the language, those things are very sacred and they need to be taught the way that they should be yeah. taught, you know, and, and expanded that way. But mm-hmm. so it's amazing. Um, and I love that you're, you like studied Hawaiian language and that that is what it now is your, are, are you still working on your master's degree or are you finished? Nope. Still working. The last part is the paper and my oh, defense. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on now till April 22nd when it's due. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good luck. You yeah. got this. Thanks. Yeah. So is your goal to teach in like a school similar to like what you grew up in or what's your goal with this degree? Or is it so TV funny TV? because I don't want to do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I spent two years in a DOE. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Sometimes like I realized that, um, I need to go through something in order to know that I really don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. Um, not because I don't want to, I don't want to teach the kids or I don't feel like it's important. It's because uh, I think my, my passion in um, gym and fitness has like outweighed going into a DOE and a school system to kind of change that. I feel like, the fitness part will kind of um, make Hawaiian language in like general, like a place where you could see everywhere. Like you can speak Hawaiian at the gym. Like where would, where would that start? So I feel like bringing that into other environments would be really cool. And I'm definitely not a 730 to three person, like (laughs) more than half of my day is at a school in a desk grading. I cannot see that for myself. Mm-mm. I thought I was like so adamant, but I was like, nope. Mm-mm. It's it's not that hard. It's just, it's kind of boring. Like where's yeah. the excitement in your life? Like, so props to all the teachers that are still teaching and still going through it because DOE is hard to to like handle as a teacher, especially when it's like conformed to all these standards. And like Hawaiian culture doesn't really fit into all these standards because it's a, it's a white kind of the kind um, perspective of what you should be doing with your kids when most of our stories are like not hitting it. So you can't teach them. So we kind of, yeah, I don't want to think too much. Yeah. (laughs) It's just too much thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. You know, I'll say, um, I'll say one thing that I learned is like, I think, you know, you're you, nowadays, like everything is so evolving so much, you know, and we have like, mm-hmm. we do have access to things now that like we didn't, I mean, even doing this interview right now, like back, you know, when I was like a kid, I'd have to like come out there, <laughs> which I mean, I wouldn't be mad, right? but it'd be different. <laughs> so, you know, I, mean, I think that they're like, things are evolving so much that like the picture of what you know, a traditional t- teacher might be, it's still going to be important, but you know, wherever you fit into it, I'm sure is also going to be equally important. Like you said, I mean, yeah. like people, especially learning a language, it's so much easier when you're like, I, well, I don't know if it's so much easier, but I do feel like it helps when you're like immersed in it and you're able to mm-hmm. talk 
you know, like if you just went to school and then came home at three o'clock and then it was like back to speaking English, like it's hard to learn those other things that maybe you won't learn, especially like at the gym, right? Like you may not be learning all of that and it it gives you a chance to be hanging out, exercising and still speaking it. So, yeah. And it's all about making the connection for the kids outside of school. The only way they're going to, they're going to remember any of the thing, the structures that I taught them or the vocab I taught them is if I give them actual examples outside of school mm-hmm. so they see oh yeah that's kai that's kohibi okay i know this because i see it outside of school but if yeah. they only see it in school it's not going to help them yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree so speaking of the gym now uh-huh. you are now you are a power lifter right yeah. now that's your passion tell me how you got into that and also tell me like from hula to powerlifting. like what are there any connections there no, there's none at all. That's why I'm just like, I, everybody like seems like when they see me, like, or when you see any general hula dancer, you don't think they lift heavy weights. But so that's why it was like a little weird at first that like, at least for my first meet when I did it in June, it was weird because I was coming as a hula person. And I had, I was always, um, Everyone always knew who I was because of Hawaiian and hula. So whenever I was in any of those environments or spaces, everybody knew like, oh, yeah, her parents are cool. She does this or this. But like going into a powerlifting meet, I was like, no one knows who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. What is even happening? I I was so confused, honestly. Um, But it all started when I had to lose weight because (laughs) I was like so, I don't know, after COVID and then after I got injured my senior year of high school in volleyball, like everything just went downhill mentally, physically, emotionally just went downhill. So um, I knew I had to make the decision because of the internet. The internet is a good and bad place (laughs) for things to keep um, in archives. Yeah. So I was dead adamant on making myself look good on that stage. So I was going to the gym and basically like when you play a sport in high school like you know what to do but like you don't but then I met certain people um my teammates so like one of my coaches is a bodybuilder and powerlifter which is like two opposite things you have to cut weight as a bodybuilder and you have to gain muscle mass as a powerlifter so he was doing both so he kind of knew like a kind of medium way to do it um so he helped me with my cut um He's known as Hulk Fitness, if, you, if you've if ever seen him around. He's this giant Hulk, I don't know, giant-chested man. Yeah, they, he's, he's crazy, but we love him. But he helped me lose 35 pounds in three months before April. Wow. It was the worst three months of my life. I was <laughs> crying for peanut butter. Literally, during training with my parents, I would break down and cry. And they're like, what's happening with you? And she's in here. I was like, I just want peanut butter. (laughs) Like, I was so set on getting peanut butter and toast. Like, you never knew how bad your cravings would go on a cut. But it happened. And then one of my other coaches, they came up to me on a random day, saw me at a squat rack. And she was like, how much do you weigh? This old white guy, okay? And coming to a girl in the gym, like, just flat out saying how much do you weigh like that's the most insecure thing like any anybody could ever ask a girl in the gym so I was just like um that's weird I was like um this 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 and then he was like you should come join our our team and come lift with us so then I started lifting with them and then we just clicked like usually I would be like oh you power lift out of anger and you lift all of these weights out of anger like they always tell me get mad get mad when I'm like trying to do a PR they're like get mad I was like I can't get mad I love this (laughs) it's just like I don't even know how hula dancer and power lifter like met but it just makes sense to me and it brings me so much joy that I just love doing it every day and I will literally be at the gym for like two to four hours if I could yeah I was at the gym at eight and I didn't leave till 11 o'clock so I can literally stay there for hours and meeting new people. You just talk story, right? So yeah, that's like my safe, my safe space. Right. I can just not be the hula dancer that everybody knows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely, I think there's something to be said for that too. You know, it's like 
you grew, I mean, just being, you know, you, just being the daughter of your parents, you know, yeah. it was like a natural path for you to, to go into hula. Yeah, and, that's why like, my parents had to get used to it really fast. They're yeah. like, we don't even do this. Like, we don't, we don't know how to do it. I was like, yeah, but I like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go do it. And it's just, it's so fun. Like, a lot of people are like, that's so hard. Why are you doing that? You're going to hurt yourself. I was like, well, if you learn the right way, you're not. And I'm all about putting joy in my life. Like, I'm not going to do anything if it doesn't bring me joy. So <laughs> that's why I'm basically at the gym or at home <laughs> doing hula. Do the gym or hula, one of them. Yeah, there you go. You're always moving around some way or another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So what did your parents, like, did your parents come to your meet? Or have you been, have you participated in a couple of meets now? Yeah, two. Okay. Yeah, two now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they were, they were totally, they did not who that, it, yeah, they didn't know who their daughter was. They didn't even know if I was their daughter on that platform lifting the weight. Because I came out with my singlet. Because you have to wear a singlet, right? Like, it's not a whole lot of attire, right? Right, right. So I came out, <laughs> I had to, I had to like prepare them. I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to look like this. They're like, you have to wear that? I was like, yeah, I have to wear that. And then I'm like lifting and they're like, oh my gosh, you can carry all the groceries in in one time. So now I'm the one that carries the groceries in. They're like, where's PE? Oh, PE's not home. I got to carry it in myself. When I just grab all the boxes and just bring it in the house, right? Yeah. I'm just basically the call when things um, are heavy. Right, right. I got to go take it in the house. <laughs> oh, Well, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah and the trying to control to not like build mountains on my body like I want that and Mm -hmm. I was like that in a dress does not match (laughs) so I gotta find myself a happy medium Mm -hmm. when I go on my neck well well I'm on my my other my next cut now I have to lose like five more pounds before April which is totally possible knowing that I did 35 pounds in three months so I'm just like I'm kind of taking my time with it but I don't know. I really want mountains, and I don't think my parents are gonna appreciate the mountains. <laughs> it would be, be tricky to fit fit yourself for a dress, right? Like, it'd be like, can we take this out a little bit? Yeah, my back has gotten way um, what is it wider since I put on my solo dress for Mary Monarch. So it, I kind of have to like tuck in my lats while they yeah. zip up the dress, and then I kind of like slowly take them out to dance yeah oh that's cool <laughs> that's it's, that's, a, that's a very unique challenge that you have found yourself in <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's good and bad yeah yeah for sure <laughs> tell me about the nike in seven campaign how did that come about and what is your role in it um so basically they just wanted um they're after a meeting with them the Nike, the N7 team, um, we found out there's two locals, two two or three locals on the team. So they really wanted to take it back home for them and and um, kind of highlight a cultural practice. And one of them knew about Mary Monarch. So they looked up Mary Monarch. They knew that there was a Miss Lohula competition. They found me. And then they were like, okay, we want to do this for this, this, this. I was like, okay that sounds cool but then you think nike right and then they like contact you and then you don't think it's real right so like i basically ghosted them for a good two weeks before i actually answered them because my teammates were like no that's not real because when you like start a fitness account like there's a lot of dms coming about you to be an ambassador and like try on their clothes but like this one was just like nah that's not real so then we just ghosted them for a little while and then we actually answered because I told my parents and they were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to come to Oahu in um, October, October or September or something, maybe September. And we're going to do this, 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 and you're going to be on a billboard and yeah. And you're going to get the whole clothing line. And I'm like, whoa. So basically my whole room is Nike now. That's cool. It, yeah it's just like why how can you be on a billboard and then you have um puma shoes on so (laughs) it didn't make sense to me so when we went to go look at my billboard um a couple times because it was only on for the month of november my mom and i went twice i basically like spent five hours at nike stores it was so bad 
I I did not save that much money, but you know, there's their stuff are pretty pricey, but they're really nice. And like once you get showcased as that kind of um person like involved with Nike, you cannot show up with like kind of like ten years ago at find it at Ross Pine Nike because that's where I used to go. I used to go to Ross to find all my Nike stuff. Um but yeah, it was just so cool and very i was i was um very honored that i could kind of um put hawaiian and hula in a very in a true light i guess because all you see in hula in like from the mainland perspective is just like luau's and shows and waikiki and um hula dancers in coconut bras and all of this um but seeing a more like doing a more traditional style of hula and then the team being okay with our um our steps you know how we have an order on how to do things like them being transparent and saying okay that's okay we'll let you do your thing and then we can shoot this and they're like yeah okay so they're very like good at um letting us do our things so that other things can happen um yeah well when you work with a group that like works with indigenous people they it it matches so they know we have to go through like hoops and steps in order for stuff to happen so it was a really cool experience i still can't believe i was on a billboard in la and new york it's still kind of like hitting me different a lot of people a lot of people spot me at the mall and i'm not a dresser okay i don't i don't go out and i'm in like jeans a nice blouse my hair is done i'm like i walk out in sweats like, if I'm not going to a hula event, like, I'm walking out in sweats and a t-shirt and a tittle bun. Like, no, I'm not going to dress up. So then a little girl comes up to me and she's like, are you the girl on the billboard? I was like, do I still look like her? She's like, I was like, y- y- okay, then yeah, I am. Because <laughs> usually I don't match what how people portray me outside of how I usually dress. <laughs> so Yeah. Sorry, really long story. No, that's cool. I just cool. put all of seven months into one. <laughs> into like yeah, two that's minutes. hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really cool. And I do, I agree with you. I mean, like, it's really special that um, that a group as, I don't know, prolific as Nike right. is willing to, not only willing, but like really wanting to immerse themselves in the in, indigenous cultures. Cause I know that they, the in seven campaign, it's not just native Hawaiian, right? There's a mm-hmm. couple other. Okay. So I yeah. mean, it, it, I think that's really special and necessary. So cool. I love that. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Still shocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw the billboard. I think uh, it was on your page. Um, I was like, this is so beautiful. I love it. It's yeah. So cool. It was huge. Yeah, we're we're like in point five trying to videotape the whole thing. <laughs> I bet you were like, yeah, I bet that was like the most surreal, like moment for you to be able to see that. No, mm-hmm. and a lot of things don't really hit me until like a long time, like mm-hmm. after it's done. Like when we came out of the parking lot, and then we saw like it it went on right when we came out of the parking lot and looked up. So my my mom started crying, oh. and I was like, oh, it's right there. because like things don't hit me till after and it's really bad because I have like after effects of emotions that come for things that like went on like two three months ago or maybe even years ago like it doesn't hit me and be like oh yeah that was so cool so yeah I'm kind of still in that like medium space right now where it's like really cool and I and I know it's not going to hit me till later that I was on the billboard yeah yeah for sure <laughs> well it's definitely something that you could just like continue to share and savor yeah. savor yeah all my kids ask me for my code I was like guys I don't have a code <laughs> they're like can you get me this 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 I was like no I can't actually <laughs> you're like I'm still over here buying my own Nike stuff so. I was like I mean I have a little bit of help but like I still buy my own yeah yeah like, exactly aren't you sponsored I was like no I just I just did a a collection. I just hi- was highlighted in a collection. Yeah. Yeah. All my kids are like giving me their orders. I was like, "Bruh, take it back. I <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to put it in the trash." <laughs> you know, kids are wild. Like literally so wild. Like you, okay, I mean, this is a very side side story, but my daughter literally she's with her she's on spring break. She's with her dad today. 
and she, break. yeah she calls me today I was at work she calls me and I miss her call because I'm on a like a work call <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I message her and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm on a work call like did you need me and she's like I need you to buy something for me <laughs> go find yeah. your dad go you know what go find your dad <laughs> yeah yeah it, that's why it's not really good at being adult too because now when I ask for things they're like you have a job <laughs> you exactly. have money yeah, so exactly. now I just I just don't ask I'm just like okay I'll just go buy this myself well and you can just start charging just every time money. you carry in the groceries that <laughs> is a good idea hustling <laughs> for every case of water bottles two dollars please thank you yes. <laughs> i love that it's a convenience fee i mean hey yeah. <laughs> um okay i ha- i have some rapid fire questions for you but oh, i want to ask you um i want to ask you what your future with hula looks like um is it like coming from kumu parents is that like your path as well then something that you um Oh my gosh, one of my friends asked me this question too, like two weeks ago. He's like, is that your passion? Like to become a kumu, right? For your halal. Um, I could say yes and no. Mine's is like, I have a responsibility to my family mm-hmm. and to my hula lineage to keep this going. Like I would never want to take my kids away of the kind of lifestyle I grew up in. Um, because I think in like not comparing myself to my generation and my peers is that um, Hula has been that safe safe space and very strong foundation for me as a kid and for me as an adult that I would want my kids to have the same thing. So it's more of my responsibility as a future parent that I want my kids to have the same things I had. Um, so of course I'm going to, when my parents are ready um, to... Um, slow down I guess and um, help my sister and I be in that place as Kumu then it'll happen when it happens <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. that's cool and I also love that like you do have these other passions as well like obviously we're all like multi-dimensional people but yes. it's obviously very important to, you know, continue the Hawaiian culture as you're doing, mm-hmm. but also very important for you to start doing your own things, like the powerlifting. So that's beautiful. Yep. And you get to combine them both. So. I love it. You yep, know, that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay, <laughs> girl, snap. Um, snap. Okay. So I was trying to think of some, I was trying to think of some power, or I'm sorry, some uh, quick questions. Um, but, you know, the first one. Every quick, every like quick, you know, fire round has to start with a food question. So, what is your favorite Hawaiian food? Favorite Hawaiian food, lao lao. Same, same. And you know, like, there's a lot of Hawaiian food in like Las Vegas. That's where my my daughter's dad's from. But you mm-hmm. could barely ever get lao lao. You get like Simon. Yeah. You get like Kahlua pork and stuff, but. If you asked me two years ago before I got into powerlifting, it would be something totally different. But really? because you have Lala, it's like greens and protein, right? So it's True. like the best of both. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, my, my palate has totally changed since then. But yeah, Lala. Okay, <laughs> well, next time I come out there, uh, it's going to be two years. I might need some recommendations on some places to go. <laughs> so I'll hit you Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. hit me up. What is your favorite spot on the island? You're from Oahu, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. I don't go out much, so I can't answer that question. Home. The gym. <laughs> yeah, the gym. 24-hour okay. fitness, windward. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, what is your favorite family tradition? Um, Hula. Love that. Um, <laughs> now, this might be, like, an ignorant question. Is Do you have a favorite song to Hula to? Or a favorite, like, Hula, traditional Hula you like? No, I like fast-paced songs. Okay, but I like all every song. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Better. Favorite place that you've performed in? I think it'll always be the stadium in Hilo. It's there's just like a vibe over there. 
much. Like everybody that you ever know is there for hula. Like how can you get that much people in one place that love hula? Yeah. So yeah, definitely the stadium in Hilo during Merry Monarch Week. <laughs> I bet that's like an incredible experience. Maybe someday I'll get to go that like as a spectator. That would be really cool, I think. Yes. yes. Um, do you have any plans to come perform in Kansas? Uh, if the offer is there, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's not much of a hula community here, but I mean, it would be cool for me. Sure. For what it's worth. Well, I think that's all I have. I really appreciate your time and I loved getting to know you. And I really, really love your passion for everything that you have going on whether it's Hawaiian whether it's powerlifting whether it's just being an amazing individual so I wish you the best and thank you so much thank you for letting me be on this podcast